0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at bethesdachurch.tv give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, we've been in a series called Greater. Everybody say Greater. How many enjoyed the series so far? Everybody enjoyed it so far? Some of you are like, eh, I'm, I'm kind of getting there, Pastor. Uh, we talked about in week one when you, you're becoming a person that you don't even like. And then last week we talked about when you're too busy for what matters. Going to go a little bit further today, but I want to start with a question. I want to ask you, how many of you are actually here right now? You're here. Some of you are like, what? Is this some kind of game? And I don't mean just like you're here physically or just, you know, here watching online. Are you actually present in this moment? Are you present in this moment? Um, if you're here, real quick, I wanna make sure that I'm in the right place. If you're here, everybody say, I'm here. Man, that's weak. Everybody say, I'm here. All right, those of you watching online, I want you to type in the chat, I'm here. You can also let us know where you're watching from, but I want you to type that. Type, I'm here. And one more time, everybody say, I'm here. here. All right, we're going somewhere with this. Because you're here, I want to welcome you. I am truly thankful that you're here in this moment. It's a holy moment. We're here gathered to not only connect with one another, but to connect with God's Word. How many know God's Word brings change? And so we're here to connect with each other and, and to look at the living Word of God. And, and so since we're here, I want, I want to thank you for being here, but I also um, want to say it like this. The reason I'm, I'm so about you being here is because the truth is, in a few minutes, a lot of you will not be here. A few minutes into this message, some of you, you started out, you were here, you're in the moment but then you're going to be out of the moment. You're here physically, but you won't be here mentally. Some of you, you're going to get a text message while I'm preaching. And you're going to feel the need to look at the phone and to send a text back. Some of you, God help your soul. You're going to initiate a text message. And for some of us, Because you didn't know what was going on in Instagram world for the last seven minutes, you can't take it any longer. And you're going to pull out your phone and you're going to start scrolling through the feed while I'm preaching. Um, I want to say again, I'm glad you're here. In this moment, some of you, you're going to start thinking about, in this message, you're going to think about things you have to do. If you're like me, you're going to be thinking about what you're going to eat, Right come on, I'm, am I in the right place right you're going to think about what 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 am I going to eat that's very important. I have rediscovered my love since the fast has ended for pizza, cheeseburgers, chips, and salsa week. I'm welcoming you here because the truth is a lot of us won't be here for long, but I'm hoping to change that by the end of the message. We're going to look at God's Word, and we're going to look at the first miracle that Jesus performed. The first miracle Jesus performed actually happened at a wedding, and it was an embarrassing moment for the hosts because at the wedding, they ran out of wine, and that's when Mary, the mother of Jesus, said to Jesus, you need to do something about it. And Jesus told the servants, if you would, go and gather me some jars. And these were not just mason jars. These were 20 to 30-gallon jars. And he said, I want you to fill them with water. We pick up the story in John's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 8. It says, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. Till Now, Now i got to make a confession. For a lot of years, I, I actually thought that said you have saved the best till last. But that's not what the text says. The text says, but you saved the best till now. And that's where the title of the message comes from today. Your best days are now. I'm in the wrong church. I'm going to try that again. Your best days are now. Your best days are now. Now, let's let's go into this, and with the understanding that our best days are now, because in the series, we've been talking not just about what Jesus said, which we will always do that here at Bethesda. We're going to talk about what God said. Truth will set us free. We understand that. But we've been diving a little bit deeper and going beyond just what Jesus said, and we've been looking at the way Jesus lived. You see, no matter who Jesus interacted with, no matter what he was doing, he was always present in that moment. Whoever was in front of Jesus, they had his undivided attention. And so I want to look at two stories that happened back to back from Luke 18 and Luke 19 to show you how Jesus was present in the moment. First, from Luke 18, I'm not going to read it to you, I'm just going to tell you the story because I think most of us are familiar with this story, but in Luke 18, it says that Jesus was walking into the city of Jericho, and if you remember, the city of Jericho in the Old Testament was the first city that the children of Israel conquered, and they went in and they, they lifted up a shout after they had marched around the city and the walls fell. Uh, but this was years and years later. The walls had, had been rebuilt, and Jesus is going into the city of Jericho. Uh, the walls are back up, and it's a city full of people. There are crowds everywhere. There, there are people fighting for the attention of Jesus. But on this specific day, Luke writes in the 18th chapter that there was one man by the name of Blind, we call him Blind Bartimaeus, his name was Bartimaeus, we know him as Blind Bartimaeus, who was screaming to the top of his lungs, saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. And as he screamed, the Bible says the disciples were offended that Bartimaeus was screaming. They were offended. They wanted him to be quiet. And, and, and why, why were they offended? They thought Jesus was too busy. Jesus is too important. Jesus has an agenda. We got places to go. We got real people to meet with. We've we've got some significant things that we need to accomplish. And so the disciples are rebuking the blind man for screaming out. And while they're rebuking the blind man, Jesus then rebukes the disciples and gives his undivided attention to a blind man that nobody else would give any attention to. Jesus asked the question to him. He said, what would you like for me to do for you? Blind Bartimaeus quickly says, I have been blind my entire life. I want you to heal me. And with one word, Jesus healed the blind man. Now, it's important to look at the miracle. How many know Jesus does miracles, right? And so we see the miracle that the blind man is healed. But the second thing to notice is that Jesus stopped for a guy that no one else had time for. Nobody else was paying attention to him, but Jesus gave him his undivided attention, which brings me to the next story in the very next chapter. In Luke chapter 19, it says, And Jesus entered Jericho, and was passing through a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy and so Luke tells us that as the story progresses he's healed the blind man but now he runs into a man by the name of Zacchaeus and the bible is quick to tell us that he wasn't just a tax collector he was a chief tax collector and that he was wealthy now, you got to understand, Jesus has already been interrupted once by a blind beggar, but here he's interrupted by a rich, corrupt tax collector. And so what I love about Jesus is that he's got time for the down and out, but he's also got time for the up and out. That Jesus has a heart And he has time for everyone. It doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter how bad your baggage is. Doesn't matter how dirty your past is. How rich it is. How poor it is. How white it is. How black it is. How many are thankful that Jesus always has time for anyone who would give him their attention? Doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, black, white. He's just been interrupted by a blind beggar and now he's interrupted by a rich tax collector. Jesus stops for this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And if you don't know a whole lot about Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Y'all don't make me sing. Some of y'all know the song because you went to Sunday school. You drank the Kool-Aid, right? How many of you heard that song about Zacchaeus before? All right, I got some people that have heard this song. Um, the Bible tells us that he was a chief tax collector, which may not mean a whole lot to us, because in our culture, a tax collector um, is a respected job. It uh, doesn't mean you enjoy paying taxes, but you don't, you don't have any ill will but toward, towards anyone in that position. But in the Bible times, the tax collectors were hated. They were despised because they were, in fact, crooked. Because not only did they make people pay their taxes, they would add a large sum to what they would owe. So they would add to it, and what they would do is they would take the amount they had added to what they owed, and they would pocket it for themselves. Thus, Zacchaeus was wealthy. He's rich because he has robbed people. He has cheated people. He has taken from people. But this day, he meets Jesus, and Jesus basically invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house for lunch. And it's there that Zacchaeus is overwhelmed by. This moment, Jesus has given him his undivided attention, and in this moment, Zacchaeus has uh, this overwhelming sense of, I'm sorry for what I've done, I have cheated people, I have wronged people, I've done a lot of things that I am ashamed of. And he said, In this moment, he said, What I'm gonna do, I'm, I'm gonna take half of my possessions, and I'm going to give it to the poor, and for every person that I have robbed or cheated, I'm going to pay them back four times what I took. And Jesus looks at him and says, Today, in this moment, right now, salvation has come to your home. Jesus had an undivided attention in the moment, and he stops to give people the best part of himself. He gives people his love, and he gives people his attention. He was fully present in the moment. Everybody he encountered, he was fully present. And I don't know about you, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more present in the moment. But unfortunately... For myself and for probably many of you, a lot of times we're present physically, but we are absent mentally. I want to learn how to be where my feet are. That if I'm standing in your presence physically, I want to be there mentally. And, and not just in the up moments, but I want to be present in the down moments, In the moments of celebration, I want to be present. In the moments of pain, I want to be present. Even in the annoying moments, I want to be present. I wonder how many of us today would say that I'm living right now, Pastor, in a very annoying moment. Don't point at the moment. There are seasons that we go through that are more annoying than others. But I think sometimes we are complaining today about moments we will miss tomorrow. We're literally complaining about things today that five years from now, we'll look back and wish we had that moment again. Jesus was always fully engaged. And I want to ask you again, are you still here? If you're here, shout, I'm here. You you say, Pastor, you know we're here. I know you're here physically. I can see you. But is your mind still engaged? Is your spirit still engaged? Because stats would say that I've lost a bunch of you by this point. That you have checked out. Harvard did a study, and what they found out, their exact words is this. 47% of the time, people's minds are not at the same place as their feet. That almost half of the time, you're present somewhere physically, half of that time, you're not there mentally. 47% 47% of the time, you're in a conversation with someone, but your mind isn't fully engaged. 47% of the time, you're sitting in church. You're sitting here physically, but you're not engaged. 47% of the time, as you eat with your family, you're having a meal together. You're present physically, but you're not present mentally. And I would suggest to you today that one of the biggest enemies to our attention is our mobile devices. I, brought the, I don't usually bring this to the pulpit. But I brought it today because this has become an enemy to you and I being fully present in the moment. You say, well, prove it. I, I'll, I will prove that. The average cell phone user, studies are showing They touch their phone 2,617 times a day. That's a lot of time that you're not in the moment. Reaching over, you're having a conversation and doing this as you engage. You're looking to see, and a lot of times it's we're playing some video game or watching another stupid cat video. 2,617 times a day. That's the average user. I'm not pastoring an average church. I know I got an above average church. The top 10% of mobile device users, the top 10% touch their phone 5,400 times a day. And I dare say I got some of those peeps in this room. 5,000, like wash your phone and your hands. Do you know what a Lysol wipe is? It's disgusting how much we touch these things. But what's even more concerning to me is how much something like this is taken away from the people that is standing right in front of us. From the God who's trying to get our attention. I don't have time to pray, but you watch 17 videos just today. Before breakfast, you've checked it 17 times, but you don't have time for prayer. You don't have time to serve. We're not fully engaged because of a mobile device. We're not with whoever and whatever is in front of us. And sometimes, I'll be honest, it's not just this. It's the mind games that we play. And what I mean by mind games, the, the first one that we play, maybe you've not played this, but I've played, I have caught myself playing this game in my mind. Uh, it's the win and then game. When this happens, then I'll be happy. When this happens, then I'll be happy. It's kind of like you're, you're, you're in elementary school and you think, I'm a fifth grader, but man, life will be really good when I'm in middle school. It'll be so much better. You get to middle school only to find out it's really not that cool being a middle schooler. It'll be really cool when I get to high school. But then you get there, and as a freshman, you know it ain't cool being the freshman either. So you begin thinking, when I get to be a senior, that's when I'll be happy. But once you become a senior, you start looking to, well, when I get to college, I'll leave mom and dad. Then I'll be happy. And while you're at college, you start thinking, well, this really isn't all that it's cracked up to be. When I get a job, then I'll be happy. And the job's not enough, so when I get married, I'll be happy. When well, I'm married, when we have kids, we'll be happy. You know what? When these kids get out of diapers, we'll be happy. Have you ever noticed how the target keeps moving? Eventually, you might as well just say, when I'm in, when I'm in diapers, I'll be happy, Right? It's when and then, when and then. When this happens, I'll be happy. When that happens, I'll be happy. When I walk into that season, I'll be happy. I came to tell Bethesda Church today, your best days is not then, your best days is now. How many moments are you wishing away, waiting for something down the line, only to move the target further and further away from being content and happy? Your best days are now. They're right now. It's not when. Have you ever noticed how that bar continually, it's like chasing carrots? Like I'll be happy when, when I get the promotion. It's always when something else happens, and God wants you to know your best days are now. Don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. Jesus was fully engaged in the moment. If it's not the when and then game, it's, it's the game where we project into the future. We play the what if game. How many of you play the what if game? What what if? What if I don't pass the test? What if I don't get the job? What if I don't get the promotion? What if we can't have children what if we don't have enough money right now to to give them braces and then you know they they're, they're going to have crooked teeth and they're going to hate me the rest of their life because their teeth were crooked what if what if what if what if we project into the future what if the government what if the economy what if aliens attack if you're still here say i'm here we play the what-if game. It's all about what-if, 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 what-if. And I'll be honest with you, I play that game too, what-if. And the what-if game takes away my peace for the moment. My, the what-if game keeps me from trusting God. The what-if game keeps me from doing what Jesus said in Matthew six thirty four, when he said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus says, don't worry about what's coming. Tomorrow, will worry about itself. And what I love about Jesus is that he was not anti-planning. He was not saying, don't be a planner. He was saying, you can make your plans, that's fine, but don't worry about it. There's a difference in planning and worrying. We should plan, but we should not waste one minute worrying about tomorrow. Jesus said, don't worry about it. It will take care of itself. And and so it's important, in order for me to be present in the moment, I've got to stop worrying about tomorrow. As long as I'm still worried about the what-ifs, what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to pan out tomorrow, I cannot be present in the moment. And I think the reason we're not present in the moment is because we lack faith. We lack faith. We're all freaked out about something that, that happened, or we're freaked out about something that hasn't happened that we think might happen. And because of that, we have fear. We have anxiety, we have worry, We're all this stuff, and we can't be present in the moment. The only way we can be present in the moment is to actually surrender the past that you can't change and to trust God with a future that you can't control. I have to trust God with the past. I can't go back and have a do-over. It's done. It's in the past. I've got to surrender that, but i also got to surrender tomorrow. So that I can be fully present in the moment. Once we surrender our past and our future and we trust that God is good, that He cares, that He's already in my tomorrow, that He redeems the past, that He has good plans for my future, only then can I be engaged in the present the way that God wants me to be engaged in the present. It takes faith to engage in the calling that God has for you that is right in front of you. James chapter 4, the half-brother of Jesus said this in verses 13 and 14. He said, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such, a, such and such a town, spend a year there, we'll trade, we'll make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes." He said, come now, he who says, today or tomorrow, we're going to into such and such a town and spend a year there, and we're going to trade, we're going to make a profit. You got, got all this stuff going on with the future. And some of you used to say, like, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and then COVID happened, and you hadn't been anywhere in a long time. And, and, but, but he's talking to the people that feel like they've got life figured out, but the point James is making is that you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You you don't have a clue what tomorrow will bring. And he presses in with a question. He said, what is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You're a mist. If you open up your mouth and breathe onto a glass, you can see the mist, but it's only there for a second, and then it is gone. The image that really gets me is the hourglass. Every time I look at one of these, it kind of gets me. It it, it speaks to me, and it speaks to me about several different things, three things that, that this image says to me every time I look at one. The first is this. No one knows how much sand is on the top. If this is a picture of your life, you don't know how much life you have. How many of you understand you don't know how much life you have? You have no clue. So the first thing it says to me is we don't know how much life we have. A lot of people think they've got a lot of time, and they don't. They think I'm going to live 100 years, and they might live 60 years. We don't know how much life we have. The second thing is that no matter what you do, no matter what I do, you can't stop the sand or the life from flowing. How many know right now your life is passing away? Oh, I'm in the wrong church. It's passing. Your life is passing. You you can't stop it from flowing. Time is passing. And, And so I say that because we have to get an understanding that every single day is a gift God has given us. Every day. It's a gift. The third thing that this image speaks to me is that once the sand is at the bottom, once it has passed through, you can never get it back. Every moment you have lived up to this sacred moment right now, you can't get it back. It's gone. Are you here? Come on, say, I'm here. I'm here. The most important moment of your life, I believe every single day, it's all, we always want to put it in the future, the most important moment, I believe we could say right now, the most important moment is, is what we're doing right here together. How I many know we will never get this moment back? That's why I love what David said in Psalm chapter 118, verse 24. He said, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is God's day. This is the gift that God has given us. And I I wrote this question before I came out, and I, I forgot to even ask it in the first service, but what has God given you that you've wasted? What has God entrusted to you That because you didn't understand this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. That you squandered what he gave you. That you wasted the moment he gave you. If you're still here, I hope you are. But I want to tell you, you cannot be happy where you're not. You can't serve Jesus where you're not. You can't love people the way Jesus loved people where you're not. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is a gift. Do I recognize that this moment, this day is a gift that God has given me? Do I, do I understand that? And, and I'll be honest, I used to live for the big moments. And there's nothing wrong with the big moments like wedding day, big moment, having kit, big moment. You know, First time pastoring, 29 years old, standing up here with a microphone. Actually, not up here. It was over there. Standing up here. That was a big moment. I used to live for the big moments. But what I am learning as I get a little bit older is that it's not just the big moments that matter. Sometimes it is the moment watching my six-year-old little girl take a nap where I don't want that moment to leave. It's the moment having a deep conversation with my wife. I don't want that moment to just pass by and not recognize it as a gift. Why? Because I don't know how many moments I get. And it's not just the big moments or the down moments, but it's being fully present for all the moments. I wonder how many miracles we miss because God has put a miracle in front of us, but because we're not fully present, our mind is elsewhere, that we miss a moment that God wants to do something cool. But we treat some moments as insignificant. We treat them as irrelevant. I want to say again, please don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. As Jesus Walked along, people were not inconveniences to Jesus. They were not interruptions to him. Every time it looks like they were interrupting him or inconveniencing him, he looked at it as a moment to show them the goodness and the love of God and to be fair to you guys I don't want you to think I have this figured out I told two of our security team members in between services I am still learning how to do this I have ADD at times and so I'm having this conversation but my mind is way over here thinking about the next seven things I need to get done but I want to pause every now and then and say hey Chad are you being present in the moment are, are you in this moment when you think about Jesus who was always present, never really inconvenienced, never really, he never looked at anything as an interruption, that even in his darkest, lowest moment when you would think, This is a moment when he doesn't have to be fully present. He could really just focus on himself because he's being beaten and spit on and he's being cursed at and his internal organs are visible. He's he's hanging on the cross naked in front of the world to see him. This is the one moment when he shouldn't have to be in the moment. Like he shouldn't have to focus on anyone else, anybody that's in front of him, but maybe just focus on yourself, Jesus. Like this would be the moment. But no, he's beside a criminal. Who's basically saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm recognizing in this moment, you're the son of God. I've done a lot of terrible things. Would you please remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus, instead of saying, this is a really inconvenient time for you to reach out to me, he said, this day you will be with me in paradise, that even in his darkest moment, he still saw this individual's need and was present in the moment. I'm telling you, he was present in his darkest moment he was still available, he was still available, he was still accessible. If, if, Listen, if you're thankful for every time God has been available for you, why don't you stand to your feet and give him the kind of praise he deserves? For every time he was present, every time you thought you were alone, And betrayed and rejected and nobody noticed your tears. I promise you, Jesus noticed it. And he was present in the moment. That leads me to this. Stay standing this morning. Fully engaged in the moment. Our mind is not where our body is 47% of the time. Which means that about half the time we could be missing out on what God is trying to do in our lives. What God is doing in your life, it is right in front of you. He wants to make it known to you. The truth is, is that you can't be a great friend if you're not there. You can't be an engaged mom or an engaged dad if you're not there. You can't have a great marriage until you recognize this is the day the Lord has made and because of that I will rejoice. God has saved the best days not till last, he saved the best days till now. Now in this moment you can experience his grace. Now in this moment you can experience his mercy. Now in this moment you can experience his forgiveness. Now His power is here. Now His grace is here. Now His mercy is here. Now His goodness is here. Now His forgiveness is here. He is with us. Can you sense it? Can you sense His presence? He's here in this moment. This moment. And God sent me to tell you today. Took me a long way to say this one line. Your best days are now. Your best days are now. There are people in this room and you thought your best days were behind you. You really, you came in here thinking your best days are behind you. But you're in the right place because the Holy Spirit wants me to say it again. Your best days are now. They are right now in this moment. Your best days don't have to be when and then, or what if your best days are right now. Father, I thank you for your word today. Thank you for every person under the sound of my voice, for every family that is here, for every person that came into this place feeling isolated, rejected, alone. God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help them to recognize that their best days are right now that this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We recognize today is a gift. Help us, God, not to wish away a gift for another season. This is our best days. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around, I wanna speak to the people in this room that would say, Pastor, I'm not in right relationship with God but I don't want to leave in that condition. I don't want to leave the same way that I came in. I want to leave knowing that I'm in right relationship with Jesus, that my sins have been forgiven. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you, say, that's me, Pastor, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, I need to make some things right with the Lord today. I need to get some things under the blood. I need to, anyone at all, you would say, that's, that's me today. If you just raise it long enough for me to see it. Long enough for me to see it. Thanks for that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You say, That's me. Those of you that are watching online, let our moderators know. Let those that are in that chat room know that you're making a decision to follow Jesus. I want everybody to lift their voice together. Pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner, I've committed sins. I need a savior. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart, be my Lord and my savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give them a big hand clap this morning for those that are making that decision to follow Jesus. As the prayer team and staff come forward, we're going to open up these altars for a time of prayer. And um, those of you that made that decision to follow Christ, if you would take a minute to fill that Connect card out, you can drop it off in one of the offering containers on your way out. Or if you would like this, we have some, some people that would help you in the back left of the room, my left, your right. And they would also like to put a gift in your hand. So between now and before you leave, we would love for you to make, um, take that next step. And let us come alongside you. Um, and during this last song, listen, I, I've been saying it week after week. This is not just a time that we're filling up space for the worship team to come sing another song. Like, this is an opportunity uh, for a couple things. If you have a need in your life, we want to pray for you. If you're believing God for something, we want to put our faith with your faith. But you know what else this altar is for? It's saying yes to the word you just heard. Because sometimes it's really easy to sit in a seat and say, you know what, that's good preaching. And then we go home and live the same way. There is something about saying, you know what, I want to say yes to my best days are now. I want to say yes to being fully present in the moment. I want to say yes to what God is doing, that this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. There's something about getting out of your seat and saying, you know what, I want prayer. I want to say yes. And you may not even need somebody to lay hands on you. may just want to come and kneel or spend some time with the Lord just as a way of you saying, I'm saying yes to that word. How many are going to say yes to that word today? Amen.